welcome to Just Think, the podcast, the podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to challenge you to do it. Do it along with us. We're inviting you into our conversation where we talk about a myriad of things, especially current events. And just so you know, we're three women that come from across the political spectrum and hate politics. So we do not like partisan politics. What we did find is that regardless of where we came from, that us three friends, we found that as we were all seeking the truth, that we were willing to put aside partisan ideologies, to put aside basically any kind of inherent bias we could identify, we found we were all discovering the same thing because the truth is the truth is the truth. And the purpose of this podcast is to bring you the truth as we're finding it, inviting you to go on the discovery with us because here's the sad truth, friends. You're probably not being told the whole truth anymore, not by your media, not by people in authority. It is a frightening time, to be honest with you, in our country. And we have done a lot of talking about the C word. If you've been listening to our podcast, we've talked about it. We want to stop talking about it, but we can't because there's a development of things that is going on. And we're going to use our voices and our platforms to help others. So my name is Holly Brewer. And Amy Ludwig is here. And Kristen Ludwig. (laughs) And today we are joined by a special guest. Anna has joined us because she heard our podcast last week featuring Matt, who was talking about having to be a help advocate for his wife, Summer, who was battling COVID. And honestly, how he probably saved her life. And when Anna heard the story, we have, first of all, been inundated ever since. Matt's been inundated. Kristen, Amy, and I have been inundated with messages from so many of you saying, this is my story. This is my story. We're, we're in the middle of this, too. And when Anna reached out to me, it broke my heart because she reached out to say, Holly, I live in the same city. The same thing has happened to me and my family, only our story did not end so well. My father's not here because I wasn't being listened to. And so I invited her on the podcast today for our What the Friday episode, because we are still baffled at the way this whole thing is working. And I want to introduce you all to Anna and let let you hear Anna's story from her. So Anna, thank you so much, first of all, for giving us your time, because I know your story is going to continue to make an impact on people who hear it. So thank you for being with us. Will you tell us, give us the rundown, sister, like what happened to your dad? Thank you so much, ladies. Um, Just first of all, I just want to give a shout out to you guys because you are doing what we need to be done here in our country and to make things better for people. And you are potentially trying to save people's lives. So thank you guys. And, you know, God works in mysterious ways. He put me here with you guys, um, which gets me a little emotional, but um, I did make a promise to my father that I would save other people's lives in honor of him. So I'm here today to kind of tell you the story. Um, just like Holly said, friends, it was not a good ending. Um, it's a very gloomy story, so just hang tight. Um, so my father um, started feeling bad on a Saturday afternoon, um, I guess the two days before August 1st. And he just said, gosh, I feel like I'm like coughing and I'm just spitting up all this stuff. And I said, oh, dad, you're fine, you know, whatever. And he's like, okay, I mean, I don't really feel bad. And so we'll proceed to day three. And on day three, he called me and said, Anna, I need to go to the emergency room. And I said, why do you need to go to the emergency room? He said, I just don't feel good. 
and I said, well, hold on, let me talk to Ryan. And just so you guys know, the information, or Ryan, my husband, is actually a physician's assistant here in Wilmington in our health system. And so with that being said, I just, you know, talked to my husband and I said, you know, David just says he doesn't feel very good. You know, what, um, what do you think? And he said, well, take his temperature and let's just see, you know, what are his symptoms? And so we took his temperature. He had no temperature. We said, take some Tylenol and we'll go to the doctor tomorrow. So that's what he did. He took some Tylenol and he went to the doctor on Tuesday. On Tuesday, he got treated for a respiratory infection and was sent home on an antibiotic. Um, we were told that he was tested for COVID and that it was negative. So on Wednesday, we um, you know, proceeded to just check on him, taking his antibiotic. Didn't really feel any much any different. By Thursday, he was in the bed going, gosh, I don't really feel good. Now, in the midst of all this, my grandfather passed away. And so on Friday, we laid my grandfather to rest and my, my dad couldn't go because he felt so bad. When I returned home about six o'clock, I went to check on him and he was in very respiratory distress. distress sorry. So I called the, I said, you know, dad, can you get up? Can, you, can I take you to the emergency room? And he could not. I immediately called the, the um, MS and they came and I gave the story. And fast forward, now we are in the hospital on Saturday. And he was in the hospital in less than 24 hours and he was intubated at 10.30 on Saturday morning. So with that being said, we all thought, okay, we gotta do something. He's positive for COVID and we have to do something because we have to save his life. So with that being said, my uncle that lives in Arizona is a doctor that um, practices um, the protocol. It's called the Frontline Critical Care um, COVID Protocol. It's actually the protocol that stands for Math Plus. So if you want to go check that out, you can Google frontline um, COVID critical care and math plus and you can get the protocol right there. It gives you everything. So what we did is we printed that out. We dropped it off at a VP's house that lives in my neighborhood. And we asked for this protocol to be implemented for my father. And the response that I got from her is we don't always do what people's requests are, but we always do take a look. So Needless to say, nothing happened. So I will say he did get prone in the hospital, which actually was awesome. And he did decrease his, sat his saturation levels on the ventilator on the days that he was um, prone. And so then we peaked and we're now at a week. And I said to the nurse, I said, wow. So my stepdad is sitting at the top of you know, COVID. And we have to do something because he's either going to go to the left and guys to the left is not good. That means he's going to pass away or we're going to go to the right. And that means he's going to be saved. It's going to be a walking miracle. And I said, all I want you guys to do is start ivermectin. That's all. That's all I'm asking because it's not going to hurt him. And basically I called my friend that's a VP and the friend said, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, um, I'm going to call a care conference. So she called the care conference. I never heard from her. So remember, I said, Anna, let me, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Let me ask this for the, for people who aren't, cause I know you're in um, pharmaceuticals. And so, you know, the, and Kristen probably understands this. Okay. When you said you talked to a VP, is that the vice president of the hospital? It's a, it is. So at the hospital, there's different levels of VPs. Okay. And so it's one of many VPs. Okay. Gotcha. So, so because let's be real, these hospitals are owned by corporations. 
So they are run like corporations. Remember, corporations have to be profitable to run, right? Just going to drop that in there. Um, so the VP is who you spoke with two different times. And you did ask for the protocol up front. She said they would look into it. They never delivered. You asked for it again when he was at the peak of treatment. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And we will link everything that Anna just told you. We'll link that in our resources tab so you guys can easily find that too. Okay. So sorry, Anna. Thank you. Keep going. No, that's okay. Um, I am going to backtrack for just a second. Um, just so you guys know, I have actually um, been in this um, medical community for 10 plus years. And so, you know, being that I've been in the medical community for 10 plus years, I've, you know, done my due diligence to make sure I have integrity and that I do the right thing and that I always respected everybody, you know, that was either lower than me or higher than me because you just never know, right? And I got to the time in my life that I needed to call on people that I had respected and that I had done things for and never expected anything in return. And so, because it was life or death, so I felt like it was appropriate to do that. And unfortunately, today we're dealing with my father who did not make it. Um, he did not get any protocol. I got a call at today, Friday will be one week at 11.54 to say, we need a do not resuscitate. And I could barely swallow. Um, because I am the healthcare care of attorney for my mother and my father. And I put the phone on speaker because my husband is too. And we had to give it. We had to give it because at the end of the day, we didn't need him suffering anymore. His body was damaged. It was damaged by COVID. It was damaged because where he was at that hospital in the medical ICU, they did nothing. And just to add to the story, I heard the last time I heard from a doctor at the medical ICU here at our local hospital was Sunday. I'll give you the exact date, just so you guys know, was Sunday, August 15th. So I did not hear from a medical provider that was taking care of my father for five straight days. And so we got the call. I added, you know, I did do the do not resuscitate because at the end of the day, I had to do what was going to be best for him because I didn't want him to go through pain and torture, torture, because I did get a call back from one of the intensivists. And he said, if you don't want to make your doc, your father, a do not resuscitate, I can give him chest compressions. I can break his ribs. I can cut his heart open and he's still not going to make it. And that is what I was left with. Whoa, that is, whew, whew. So he says to you on the one call, you had been trying to get in touch with him, right? No one was calling you back, correct? correct? You had been correct. saying, have them call me. No one's calling you. The one time it calls us to get you to sign, to sign a do not resuscitate. And when you are trying to literally mull over one of the most difficult decisions you will ever have to make, he comes at you with that? Yep, and that's how he left me. So- um, thank the Lord up above. My husband is one strong man and he got in the car and drove over and held my dad's hand, gave him love and we FaceTimed and, you know, he was just pitiful. And, but at the end of the day, he is now our angel and we are going to change. We are going to fight and we're going to fight to save as many lives as we can today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives when it comes to COVID-19. Oh, amen, sister. Well, let me ask you this, Anna, um, because this is all just, I mean, it is heart-wrenching. And uh, ever since I've heard your story, it's, its the whole thing has not left me. And I just, I, I'm curious, 
being in the medical field and, and your husband being in the medical field, what has this opened your eyes to when it just comes to even beyond COVID, but the, the way our medical system is working? Do you have any thoughts on that or insights on that? I do. <laughs> I have a lot, <laughs> oh but I'm not sure we have time for it. Um, I think the most important thing that we need to get to people that you wonderful ladies are doing is just to be an advocate for yourself and to be an advocate for your family members and know what the laws are. Um, and, you know, one thing we just, we, we tried and we pushed, like, you know, we pushed, um, but we, you know, and I have to live with this, maybe we didn't push hard enough, right? But at the end of the day, God wanted my dad there. And, you know, we laughed because my, my grandfather died and my dad died. And but why, how are you here so, so fast? My Lord, I thought you would take care of my daughter. <laughs> we do have to look for some silver linings, but no, our help tells, our healthcare system is broken. It's very mm. broken. Um, we're not taking care of patients. We are taking care of money. Mm. That's about all I'm going to say, because I think yeah. we could go down a rabbit hole really quick. <laughs> um, so, Anna, um, go ahead. Well, I just want to ask, just because I'm curious, like how this works when, when somebody's in the hospital with COVID, obviously nobody's allowed to visit, right? So during that time when when he was there the five days you didn't speak to a physician you're calling you didn't speak to any like not even a nurse not even a like no one so for five straight days you have absolutely no clue what's happening with him or to him or how he's feeling or anything great question great clarifying question um so i did not hear from a doctor for five straight days until that friday so I was um, very persistent and I would call my schedule that I would call every single day was about between nine and 10 because I knew that like they came in, they got report, whatever. And that nurse, that AM nurse would give me the report from the PM. And then I would call between nine and 10 um, in, the, in the night, the PM, and that day, that night nurse would give me the report for the day. And so that was kind of my schedule. And so I never really gave them the nurses time to call me because I always called them. So in their defense, because I was a very involved um, individual, I proactively called. Um, I was told by one of the doctors that I um, let the nurses do their job and that they are the ones that need to worry about the rate that your, your dad is on and the peak that your dad is on. And the FIO2 that your dad is on. And if you guys don't know what that is, I know y'all do. But if the listeners don't know what that is, that is actually the setting for the ventilator. And I wanted to know so that I could know if he was getting better or if he was getting worse. So and when I, they see the report, they, they're, they're not doing anything other than he's just sitting on a ventilator? All he's, just, he's just stable. He's stable was, the, was what I would get. And then because I have, you know, somewhat of a medical background, which is scary, right? I know what's going on. And I would ask, what antibiotic is he on? How is his urine output? What is his kidney function? What is his potassium? What is it, what are his settings of his ventilator? Did you prone him today? When did you flip him? You know, and so again, because I know, right? And uh, so many people in this world and in our county don't know. And I knew, and so I got my hand slapped by a, a, a doctor saying, you need to let the nurse do her job. So, it was a rough road. It was a okay. rough. Right. I, I have a question. One thing I did want to clarify, because you did blip out a little bit, or maybe it was just for us. 
when you said they called for you to sign the DNR, that the do not resuscitate. Okay. Perfect. I think you did blipped out and I just wanted to clarify that. So basically you had been asking, I'm assuming when you talked to the nurse morning and night, you were still wanting to have a physician call you at some point. And look, we all know, I know we come being in the medical field too, and even not just knowing that like they're running around, they're short staffed, they're overworked, exhausted, they're overwhelmed, they're emotional too. It, there's emotions all over the place. So we understand we come from this in a place of like sympathy and empathy and compassion for them as well. So we know how busy they are, but I, I think you're, you're correct in just saying it, the system is broken. It's so broken and, and there has to be communication, especially when the family member can't even be there. And I think that that's what's really hard is that you can't even advocate except by the phone. You know, if you were there by his bedside, you could you would be asking these same questions or you would know. And so I think there needs to be understanding on all sides of that. And then also, um, were you able to even like Zoom with him or anything like that? So you never could even see him. Okay. My other question was, did you, um, did you say... They, they, they were not giving, have you gotten, I don't know if you've gotten his medical records or anything, were they not giving him any treatment like fluids? Like I've heard, I know some people have been on remdesivir. I know there's, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities, you know, so what. So we'll they, talk about real quick. I'll just go over what he got when he, when he went into the emergency room. So immediately they put him on a, um, a steroid. Okay. Um, immediately gave him fluids, but not a lot because you want to, you know, suppress the fluid that potentially is on the lungs. Um, they moved him to the floor. This was on Saturday morning. They moved him to the floor. And by um, Saturday, like I said, at 10.30 a.m., they had moved him to the ICU. So remember, by Sunday, we were asking for the protocol, the frontline critical care protocol. And in that protocol, if you take a look at it, one of the things that they want you to start is heparin. Well, heparin, what does heparin do? It keeps you from getting a blood clot, right? So that was one of the reasons that we asked for this is because we knew heparin was on there. Well, guess what? You're going to know the answer. My dad got a blood clot. And, and then they, they did started. not have him on heparin. They did not no. have him on no aspirin, no, no blood thinner whatsoever. No. And then they started them on heparin. So it was reactive. Whereas, by the way, as someone who's had blood clots, so uh, if you listen to the podcast, you kind of know my story. I had it in pregnancy. Um, when I was in my first pregnancy and I got blood clots, of course, they, I was instantly on an IV of heparin um, and then told to stay still basically for seven days so they could get those stabilized. Um, in my second pregnancy, guess what they did? You have preventative. I gave myself Lovenox shots. Um, to prevent the clots because they think I have a propensity there. So it, it makes sense. And this is again, where we want to educate people. Aspirin, if you also look at these protocols, a lot of times if you're not at a hospital and you can't get obviously an IV of blood thinner, you need to aspirin if you can tolerate it is a, is a, it does thin the blood and it is part of the protocol. And that is something I took when I had COVID because I knew I wanted to, I don't want to wait till you get a clot. That's when you're in trouble. You want to prevent the clots. Um, there's other natural things that you can take too. We can talk about that another time. But, um, but again, guys, remember, early treatment is key. Early treatment is key. And one thing that, that I, I want to make sure you caught, Anna's uncle is a doctor. He is an internal medicine doctor in Arizona. He is the one who told her that this protocol is 98% effective if you can get people on it pretty quickly. And we want you guys to be informed. And again, 
we will link ever we'll link all the studies Kristen has a novel of studies you can look at so for anyone who says it's been studied they don't trust the studies when the FDA says we we're not sure about the studies guys doctors on the front lines in droves are speaking to the efficacy of this and I know uh, Anna's uh, uncle is speaking to the efficacy personally of this so understand we're not throwing out a horse picture on Instagram, like we're the FDA. Okay. I'm not, we're not doing that. This is based in science. It's based in science. And by the way, if you're a person who doesn't understand that science evolves and we understand things as we go, you need to wake up to that reality. Science is not settled. Science evolves and changes the, you know, more you do more, you can do better. Right. And right. this is where the frustration is. It, when, if you look at people, if you hear this story and you still don't get why there's some frustration and emotion in every one of us, it's because we are seeing that there is science to substantiate that you should try this. I've got, I, did I even mention this guys? <laughs> no, my friend's husband has been in the hospital. We're on day 27 or 28. Today might be day 28. The entire family got COVID. And everybody took the protocol, except the husband thought he had a very mild case. Suddenly spikes a 95 degree, I mean, 105 degree fever is taken to the hospital because he's scared. We all understand that. Like you look at hindsight and you go, of course, you don't want him to have a stroke. They're like, you don't want him to die at home. Trying to help him get that fever down, took him to the hospital. He's the only one in the entire family that's not on the protocol. And we're at day 28 in the hospital on a ventilator with a blood clot with blood clots and now kidney damage that I, I'm not going to say it's from the remdesivir but let's just say this remdesivir has a side effect of kidney damage and he has it has had healthy kidneys in the past does it now okay we, we won't draw that conclusion let's just stay based in fact but you do with that what you will I share all this to say we are praying hard for my friend and we they did lower the ventilator today. So that was a little sign of hope. We're just going to keep praying. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, because he's on day two of ivermectin. Woo! They finally got a lawyer to get him. And a yeah, lawyer. They, they got a lawyer to get him the protocol. And um, they had to get a lawyer involved, Anna. Had to get a lawyer. Day 28. And again, it's like she told the, the doctors. My entire family had COVID and did this protocol and we're fine. He's the only one under your care and he's not. Now guys, please understand. We understand doctors' hands are tied to a degree as well. We understand that there's protocols. They're worried about losing their licensures. We've heard doctors say this. They're worried about the consequences. But again, this is where we say, if you take the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, do no harm. If someone's life is on the line, the do not the, the right to try act was enacted for this reason, so that you, someone could try something unconventional as a last ditch effort. We don't want to have to wait till the last minute to try this cerebral. We're trying to encourage you all to get educated yourselves. Again, Anna said it, be your own advocate. Be your we own advocate. You can't even be your own advocate right now. I'm not trying to make people hopeless, but I'm just saying this is where it is so important for everybody to be empowered with this knowledge. And that is why we have these resources for you because you need to know. You got to do this before and, the and hospital. be ready. Okay? Yes. Amen. We want to keep you out of the hospital. That's right. We want to keep you out of it. It, it truly is. Early treatment is so, so, so important. Okay. That is, that it is critical. It is critical. 
And in any treatment, like in your case, Anna, like, or your dad's case, like if they're not doing, so were they, they weren't giving him anything. He was just on, on the ventilator and this yeah. way, just, just day five, day five. I said, I'm like, if it, if it has, just, even if it has a slight potential to yep. work, and there are people doing it, regardless of whether you believe mm-hmm. the multiple, multiple studies right. you know, going on, if it's working somewhere else. And other people are doing it. Why are these doctors not collaborating and looking at this? And, well, and just to just to your point, Kristen, one of the doctors said to me, "It's going to hurt your father worse." And I said, "I'll sign off on anything. I'll sign off on anything because it's not going to kill my father. It's not going to kill my father." That um, also sounds like, honestly, I hate to say this. Again, I'm not a doctor. Please know, God knows, I'm not trying to be the. Um, the things you were asking for, for the ivermectin is considered one of it's on the who's list of world safest drugs, right? Um, I've heard of doctors who say who've been using it for over a year saying they've seen exactly zero serious side effects of ivermectin. Right. Yeah. So yep. it's, it's weird for them to say it's going to hurt him at this point. Right. right? Is that well, and my true? uncle gives it to cancer patients in Arizona, like that are, okay. you know, and this is where I want to also point out that like, you know, that ivermectin, you know, we've talked about this and this is what helped, um, you know, Matt and Summer or help Summer, Matt helped get her, get, get her on it. But uh, it's important to know, and I'm glad you pointed out that it's a, it's a whole protocol. It's, it's, it's multi-drug therapy. It's not one miracle drug, but it does seem to be quite the miracle with this. And, and just because it's not quote FDA approved for COVID, this has been an FDA approved drug for decades and it has been used all over the world. And I just, it it blows my mind that this is still happening. And I also wanted you to point out because we talked a little bit before we hopped on here. Anna, can you tell us what that travel nurse said about this hospital? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for um, asking that question, um, Kristen. So one of the things that, you know, just because you kind of have a relationship, you know, as you're calling these nurses and you're asking questions and they're like, hmm, this person isn't that, you know, dumb or and not, not dumb, but she just knows, right? Um, the questions to ask and um, the right things to be asking about her father. And so as we were talking and our conversation grew stronger, um, she just she just said to me, you know, Anna, she said, I will tell you one thing as we were talking and I was telling her things and I told her about the math plus protocol. Um, she said, I will say that this hospital is actually treating COVID very different than other hospitals that I have been in treating COVID. And she was a travel nurse. Mm. So, yeah. And I think I also want to ask, you know, when, when they say, because I do want to ask this, um, I, I don't know if you've heard of Erin, I don't know how to say her last name, it's long, but um, she was the whistleblower nurse in, at the epicenter, they call the epicenter um, in Elmhurst, North uh, New York. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a book um, all about what she saw and how they were tr- being treated differently there than where she was in Florida, where they were doing things that were working. Right. And, I mean, essentially, it's, it, I mean, it's almost, I, I would say, like, maybe 99.9%, like, death rate if once they get on the ventilator. Oh, I mean, yes, absolutely. I feel like when, when they're saying it's going to hurt him, and he's already he's on, on the, the ventilator, ventilator for five days. He's going to die. And so I'm, I, just, I guess I just really want to know, uh, like, so what is, what, is this helping him? Like, what is your rate of, like, survival once they get on the ventilator? It's, and, it's very low. And I, I am not trying to bash. I, look, I worked for this hospital network. Well, I think they've been taken over by another 
corporation. So that may have a lot to do with this. Okay. So I worked and loved where I worked for 17 years. Okay. I loved it. I love my colleagues. I know how patient experiences can be different from the healthcare on both sides. Okay? Absolutely. And I worked for the system for 10 years. Right. And so just because I'm not there and I haven't been there for like three years, it doesn't mean I don't know. And it doesn't mean that I have the sympathy and compassion. I know that they're coming from a different place. But I think they need to know, we all need to know, we're all coming from different perspectives and we need to, what's that definition of insanity? When you try the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Right, it's been 18 months (laughs) of doing this protocol that they're doing and they're, of course they're burnt out and they're exhausted and all that. They're doing the same things over and over and it's not working. So I just don't understand. Well, and here's another thing just, because these are the type of people that are the type of people my husband and ours, we actually knew they were overworked, you know, and they were really doing, they were doing what they could to take care of my dad. And so we sent treats in daily for the night nurse, for the day nurses and for the night nurses, just so they knew how much we appreciated what they were doing. And they, you know, that was another thing they really appreciated. I didn't send, I sent dessert, like healthy dessert in so that they could have a, uh, to, you know, be able to get through those days because they are long and some people you know, were sicker than my um, dad at the point that my dad got sicker than others. So, um, well, you know what? That's like a beautiful depiction of what this should be. If we're really all in this together, as we've been told, right? We're all in this together. And it's not at the exclusion of a family member's wish when the patient is not getting better, or even if the patient's getting better. At what point, and this is where I feel like we're gonna talk, we're gonna do an episode on this guy, so you'll have to tune in. And, and actually we're, we're hoping to talk to Anna's uncle as one of the experts in this. The system is broken. <clears throat> and where did we get to where the experts, which would be the doctors and certainly the nurses and the PAs like Anna's husband, where did we get to the point where arrogance trumped a bedside manner in building a relationship with his family to work together towards healing the patient? Like when, Amen. right? Like when did that get so broken? And, and operation is has the handcuffs on the physicians. I feel like their mm-hmm. hands are so tied by this, you know, entity that they're working for that they, you know, maybe in their in their heart and soul and gut they know what they want to be able to do and they just can't yeah and you nailed it my husband said it several times if we were on the street and we were talking you probably would not be you would probably be saying a different right so well, Amy, so good point. that is so sad and scary and it terrifying. is very scary but and let me tell you something to add to that Currently, right now, while we're praying for, you know, your, your friend's husband, um, Holly, our friend's husband, uh, and also saying, I would love for everybody to say a prayer for these twin brothers that reached out to us as well. And we were hoping to have them on today, but they're still going through a bunch right now. So hopefully they will be on. Um, But this is at the same hospital. And they, their dad, I may have this wrong, but I think it's their, it's their, I know it's their dad and their stepmom are in there. Each of them were given ivermectin initially. The dad was given, I think, one dose. The stepmom was given three doses. Stepmom was actually doing better, of course. But they went to go give it one day. And all of a sudden, they couldn't administer it because administration stopped it. The doctor didn't even know who stopped it, was not told. Okay? Um, So I... Just when we talk about money and protocol, and the only reason was protocol, 
um, the, uh, these guys had to drive, drive from Boone to come here um, just to hand deliver some things and try to actually talk to somebody because they were not getting phone calls either. So we will hear their story, but I just want people to know that there are doctors out there that can and would prescribe it, but then there's the administ that is proof right there that it's the administration. That is what they said, the administration. Yes. Well, well, and to that point, I feel like, you know, people that we reached out to, um, Kristen, were, their hands were tied to. Right. So, yeah. And that's really, really scary for any of us um, growing older, you know, in this town or just in America in general. And, you know, we just need to keep people out of the hospital, period. Amen. Yep. We need to. And then we also want to just um, ask, you know, let's ask everybody to have some grace with these doctors and nurses. And then we, let's ask the doctors and nurses, please have grace with us. Please understand Amen. that like the way that I felt Anna was spoken to, I'm sorry, it's going to, it bothers me um, in a moment where she's making a very hard decision. And I say that because I've had these experiences too, Anna, with doctors in very hard moments where I was felt like somebody was really hateful. And um, not, of course, we know not all doctors have great bedside manners, but but let's have, let's have some understanding with each other. We're all in a very difficult time. This is a difficult disease, but it is treatable. Statistically, we can go pull up the CDC. We can look at death rates and hospitalization rates and see that yes, it's a treatable disease. Let's treat it early. This is our message to you guys, stay informed. I knew the day I got COVID, I knew exactly what I was gonna do because I had done the research. We have done some research for you. We'll put these resources up. Anna, we thank you. We are so sorry about your dad, but we know your dad is with you and you guys are gonna take the message forward and we're gonna fix some things. I think we have the power in our community right here to get the word out and to make things better. And that's what we're all committed to doing and helping save some lives here because really we know early, early treatment and just about anything can save Amen. someone's life. You ladies, y'all are doing awesome. Push forward. I have you have my support 100%. And thank you for letting me tell my story. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, guys, we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Happy Friday.